This episode is sponsored by our friends at Best Fiends. By now, it's no mystery that I love playing Best Fiends. It's the perfect palate cleanser after I've spent the day writing about serial killers and mass murderers and gives me a much-needed break. It's my chance to clear my mind and have a little fun while still keeping my brain engaged. It is a fun and casual game filled with puzzles to keep you entertained. I'm on level 289 now and have a ton of cute little critters in my collection. My favorite is Pop, but I have to say, Vincent is giving her a run for her money. One of the best parts of this game is that it doesn't require internet. So no matter where I am or what I'm doing, this game is ready to be played. It updates monthly with new levels and challenges so you never lose interest. Right now, I'm in the middle of four events and loving the challenges for each of them. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Remember, that's friends without the R. Best Fiends. There were two more murders 15 miles away. We arrived, they found the telephone the weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. A cup of murder. On May 15, 1950, a man was born who, at just 19, violently raped a woman and tortured her with a cigarette lighter. Now, you think this crime would have sent him away for quite some time. And, as of the end of his trial, you would have been correct. But for whatever reason, he was released before his sentence was complete. And the generosity of those who let him go early would cost 15 people their lives. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. For two months in 1983, the city of Joliet, Illinois was plagued by something they were calling the weekend murders. Beginning on June 25th with the murder of two sisters in Will County, this killer, who had no apparent motive, went on small weekend rampages that would eventually take the lives of 15 people. A week after the sisters lost their lives, on July 2nd, Kenneth and Terry Johnson were killed. On July 16th, at around 3.25 a.m., Auxiliary Sergeant Dennis Foley and Auxiliary Deputy Stephen Mayer pulled over to what they thought was a routine stop to help a motorist. When they arrived, the back of the man's pickup truck was blocking part of the road, and the front half was up against a parked car in a rutted turnaround area. As they approached, the driver claimed he needed a jump before suddenly pulling out a gun and shooting the officers. Stephen Mayer died shortly after he was shot, while Dennis Foley, shot in the throat, was severely wounded. Another car was flagged down and shot as the ambush continued. The driver perished after being shot six times, and his female passenger was left wounded and terrified. She went looking for help. Other officers responded to the shooting, and panic ensued when they realized one of their own was seriously injured and couldn't be found. Dennis Foley couldn't speak clearly enough due to his wounds, therefore was unable to give his location over the radio. He was told to turn on his siren and shine his spotlight in the air. Around this time, a farmer living nearby called police saying he could hear gunfire and sirens near his land. Police went to his location and together they all searched for Dennis Foley. Shortly after he was found, police received a call about the injured female passenger. In total, in that one weekend ambush, five people perished. 
They are George Keel, 24, whose passenger, Laura Troutman, escaped with her life, Kathleen Norwood, 25, Richard Paulin, 30, Stephen Mayer, 22, and, last to die, was 50-year-old Dennis Foley, who did not survive his injuries. But the weekend killer wasn't done. That same day, after a day in the amusement park, Patricia Payne and her boyfriend Anthony Hackett pulled off the side of the road around 10 p.m. so he could close his eyes after a long day of driving and having fun. Patricia crawled into the back to sleep as well. She was awoken abruptly around 1.30 a.m. on the 17th by the sound of tapping at the window, followed shortly by gunshots. Anthony Hackett, 18, died from the shots. The attacker then got into the driver's seat and demanded all of the money the couple had and ordered Patricia to get into the front seat. He then drove them down the interstate, all the while sexually assaulting Patricia until he could pull off on an exit and rape her. When he finished, he drove a bit further and then stabbed Patricia in the chest and dumped her from the truck. She was found an hour later, around 5.30 a.m., by a passing motorist. She was rushed to the hospital with no pulse or blood pressure, but remarkably survived her attack. Not just that, but she was able to give a description of her attacker. Over the next few months, Patricia recovered and spent her time looking through mugshots to try and identify the man who left her for dead. Within these photos was the mugshot of a man named Milton Johnson. And though she didn't identify him at first, police were on their way to his capture. On August 20th, Milton struck again when he shot and stabbed four women in a Joliet pottery shop. Marilyn Bears, 46, Anna Ryan, 75, Pamela Ryan, 29, and Barbara Dunbar, 29. The next day, two more lost their lives. 40-year-old Ralph Dixon and 25-year-old Crystal Knight were bound and had their throats slashed in Ralph's apartment. Around this time, a woman named Ann Shoemaker telephoned the Will County Sheriff's Office to complain about a pickup truck playing cat and mouse with her on the highway. She got his license plate number and complained about his reckless driving. In February of 1984, this call was turned over to the state police in hopes that it was connected to their weekend murderer. The plate was traced to Sam Myers, the stepfather of Milton Johnson. The truck was then searched on May 6, 1984, and a number of items connecting Milton to the crime, including a stuffed animal that Anthony Hackett got for Patricia Payne just before their attack. On that same day, Patricia was shown the mugshots once again, and this time, she identified Milton Johnson as the man who tried to kill her. He was arrested for the rape and made to stand in a lineup and repeat lines Patricia heard that night. There was no doubt after hearing his voice that this was the man. He was tried and convicted of the first-degree murder of Anthony Hackett, as well as the aggravated kidnapping, deviant sexual assault, rape, and attempted murder of Patricia Payne. He was sentenced to concurrent terms of 40 years in prison. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to What Terrible Thing Happened on May 16th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know if you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.